This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode six of Paranormal Encounters. And tonight's show, uh, Tracy and I, of course, have a couple of stories to read you. And then we're going to hear from Rachel. Pretty, uh, pretty fun story. All right, sounds great. All right, this first story, it's kind of a long one, but it's a good one. What are yellow and black butterflies? It's a question. Um, yellow and black butterflies. (laughs) Monday, April 17, 2001 was a day I will never forget. Not only because it was the day after Easter, but also because it was the worst day of my life. I was working a second shift job I hated, rapidly shucking jewelry from raggedy cardboard gift boxes and checking them for defects. The music, blaring overhead, played tunes that did not appeal to me. The entire atmosphere was engulfed. With the buzzing, clicking, and banging of machinery. The only reason I had taken this crummy job was that I was new to Cincinnati. My beau and I had moved from Atlanta in March. I wanted to explore a bit, and he was from Cincinnati. The one thing I regretted was leaving my mother behind. My mother was truly more than a mother to me. She was also my best friend. My mother was an intelligent, eccentric woman and very talented. She was free-spirited and big on self-statement. My brother and I were born and raised Wiccans. Imagine my awkwardness growing up black and pagan when all my friends were Christians. Envision my frustration loving rock music when all my friends liked rap and R&B, but I wouldn't change for anything in the world. I wiled away a 10-hour work night thinking about my mother, how much I missed her, how I did not get to talk to her the day before. I mailed her card, but I was quite certain she had not received it. Suddenly, music to my ears struck my soul like the thunder of of goddess. The song Dog and Butterfly by Heart began to play. My mother used to sing that song to me when I was a child. As As the song played, I felt a peaceful spiritual link to my mother, yet I was uncontrollably misty-eyed. I discreetly excused myself from my workstation and went to the bathroom. I closed my eyes and saw an enormous yellow and black butterfly in my mind. Once I had composed myself, I went back to the workstation and continued with my duties. On the way home, I could not shake the image of the butterfly in my mind. My bow could tell I was upset. When he asked what was wrong, I replied, I'm having the strangest feeling. I can't explain what it is or why something has happened. As we entered our apartment, I noticed the message light flashing on my answering machine. I ran over and listened to the message. It was from my great uncle and brother, sadly stating, No shell, call us when you get in. 
doesn't matter what time it is. Needless to say, I called immediately with the image of the butterfly still fluttering in my mind. The news was horrible. My mother had passed away earlier that very day from a blood clot in her leg that had moved up to her lung. I collided with the ground with grief. My, not my mother. She was so young, only 46. There was so much we had not done together. I asked the cliche questions, Goddess, why? Our family is already so small. Why didn't you take me instead? Why my mother? Why now? Why are you so cruel? That night, in between sleeplessness, I kept dreaming about a tree and a small stream in a thicket, and of course, the yellow and black butterfly. I did not know why. My mother was a nature lover, not just because she was pagan. She actually wanted to make a career of it. She wanted to... She went to college to be a forest ranger when she was younger. All of my life, we could never go past the woods without venturing in or past a tree or wildflower without acknowledging its beauty. The dream was perhaps her ideal heaven. She was at peace. My boat rented a car and rushed me to Atlanta that Tuesday afternoon. Dog and butterfly was really stuck in my head now. A strange thing occurred. It snowed all the way from Cincinnati to Atlanta in the middle of April. The song mentions snow. When I arrived in Atlanta's radio range, the song was not only playing on my favorite rock radio station, but it recorded a recorded interview with the band was airing also. Was my mother trying to communicate with me? The yellow and black butterfly was once again burned in my mind. My mother had made it clear to everyone that wanted to be that she wanted to be cremated after death. My great-uncle informed me that they had visited a friend's acreage in Logansville, Georgia. My mother enjoyed walking their nature trail. Even though she was in frail health, she walked the entire trail, stopping to rest several times. When they reached the end of the trail, a sparkling creek, she turned to my uncle and exclaimed, You know how much I love this. When I die, I want to be cremated and sprinkled out there. After I handled the final business, family and friends met with my brother and me to sprinkle my mother's ashes near the creek. We planted a seedling in the thicket and sprinkled her ashes there also. As the crowd dispersed back to the main house, my brother and I removed our necklaces, mine a large silver pinnacle and his a pewter sword, and we held hands and tossed them into the creek in memory of my mother. Suddenly a strong sense of peace swept over us as a gigantic yellow and black butterfly swooped down from out of nowhere, flew over our very spot our necklaces had landed. It circled the area three times and shot up in the air with a twinkle. My brother and I looked at each other and laughed happily. Mom is awesome, he explained. When I returned to Cincinnati, I got my first tattoo on my right calf a small dog, and a yellow and black butterfly with the inscription 1954 to 2001 cascading from it. Mother, I love you. No shell from Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow. That is what an awesome story. Wow. It was a really cool story. <sighs> I'm actually a little emotional over it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's amazing. Got so young, though. My goodness. Well, thank, I'm glad she shared that story because that really makes me feel better about some things. Yeah. No. <sighs> well, 
What do you got? I don't go cry in a corner. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> you want to go do it? No. No, we got to record. No. Oh. I'll cry. I got time to cry later. No, <laughs> oh, your eyes are tearing up, baby. I told you. Oh. Dang. All right. Well, my story is toodle toodle. <laughs> See, I'm already flustered. Two little girl ghosts. I lived in a haunted house for 10 years in the small Marion County town in Belvedere, California. It was a three-story brown shingle house situated on a hill overlooking San Francisco Bay. Built in 1896 and remodeled several times, there was at least one family that never left, as I was to discover after my husband died in 1978. That is when things began to happen. Footsteps, knocks, voices, apparitions, cooking smells, and gray shadowy figures in my bedroom. One day in mid-August 1978, I was napping on the sofa in the sunroom, which had been an outdoor porch and was now enclosed by windows. Above my sofa was the original window looking into the living room. It was sealed shut by many, many coats of paint. I was half awoken by the new, um, excuse me, the now familiar sounds of voices and scampering feet. I lay quietly, hoping I might see them. In that hazy state of mind, I noticed the sealed shut window above me was now open, and two little girls about eight or nine years old were standing on the other side, leaning over the windowsill and peering at me in that wiggling manner that little girls do. The child closest to me had long, light brown hair, and the other one had dark, curly hair. I couldn't see how long it was, though. Even though I was in some kind of altered state of awareness, I was alert and knew that for the first time, I was actually seeing the ghost in my house. This was my chance to prove that they existed. Snuggling to speak and form words that they could understand, I managed to whisper, Who are you? The brown-haired girl answered with something called, that could have been like Alice March or Alice LaMarch. She couldn't pronounce the name distinctly. The dark-haired girl gave her first and last name, but I could only hear the surname, Knox. This was very close. I repeated these names several times so I would remember them when I came out of the mental state. As the apparitions faded, I was still repeating Knox and Marsh. I got up and went to my desk and wrote an account of what had happened, with every intention of investigating those two names at a later date. Several weeks after the appearance of the two little girls, the name Knox came up in a conversation some friends of mine were having about local history. Years later, in August of 1984, I found the names Knox and Marsh while reading a book entitled Old Marin with Love. The book indicated that these families were among the early settlers of Marin County. In 1997, I was reminiscing with my grandson Carrie about the spooky Belvedere house, as he described it, when he suddenly said, Once I was a little ghost girl there. Oh, no, once I saw a little ghost girl there. <laughs> he couldn't remember. <laughs> 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 he, 
He couldn't remember the year, but he was a teenager at the time. He was sitting on that same sofa in the sunroom when he heard giggling. Turning around and looking through the window into the living room, he saw a little girl with long, light brown hair running across the room. Then she had disappeared. All in all, none of the eerie events occurring in that house were harmful. They aroused more curiosity than fear. This is from Arlene from Astoria, Oregon. Hmm. Aw, cute little girls. Yeah. But that was kind of cool that he said he saw them too, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. All right, let's listen to Rachel's story. Hey, guys, we got Rachel from Missouri on the the, uh, phone with us. And she's got a story that's pretty interesting because this was something that her son had initially experienced and then down the road she experienced it. But I'm not going to bore you with a lot of the uh, minute details myself when I've got her on the phone to tell us all about it. So, Rachel, I'm going to turn it completely over to you, let you tell your full story, and then we'll talk a little bit after you get through. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So... Shortly after I left my ex-husband, I rented two rooms from a friend of mine who had a fairly large house. And there was myself, my room, my son's room, the uh, friend's room that he had. And then he had three additional rooms also, one that he rented to a friend of his, and then one that he rented to a mutual friend of ours, and then their daughter. And so we all kind of like lived in this house together just as roommates, and um, in my son's room, every night, he kept telling me he did not want to sleep alone in his room, that there was something evil in his closet with red glowing eyes. And I never saw it. I never felt it. Now, mind you, I have felt you know, spirits and things like that in the past, or negative energy and things like that. But I was just not feeling whatever it was he kept claiming was in his room every night, and he'd have nightmares He'd wake up in the middle of the night crying, um, different things like that. So we got into the habit where I would go into his room with him, read a story to him, listen to music, you know, watch a movie, do whatever until he fell asleep. And then I'd get up and go into my own room just so that he felt comfortable going to sleep in his own room, trying to get him used to a new house is what I was thinking it was. And um, there was many nights that I would fall asleep in there, um, you know, with him. And one of those roommates would always come in and say, you know, Rachel, and wake me up. It's time to go to your room. And usually they would kiss me on my forehead or something, you know, to kind of startle me awake without having to wake him at the same time. And um, I'd go get up and go into my room. Well, it got to the point where he had refused to sleep in his room one night. So I said, you know what? Fine. I'll sleep in your room tonight. You sleep in my room and I'll show you there's nothing wrong. And he says, okay, mom, but you'll see. I said, okay. So I went into his room and I fell asleep. And a little bit later, I felt, you know, something breathing on my face. So I honestly, not remembering, I told him that I would sleep in his room and he could sleep in my room thought it was one of my roommates coming in to wake me up to go into my room and when I opened my eyes I had this black figure with red glowing eyes hovering over my body and I couldn't scream I couldn't speak I couldn't move and it was just like I gasped and when I gasped whatever that was blew in my face and then it was gone and I remember falling back asleep instantly and was like okay that was weird you know when i woke up the next morning thought it was just a dream 
but I woke up and could barely breathe and was coughing profusely and my chest just really, really hurt. And so I called and made an appointment at the doctor's and another one of my roommates drove me to the hospital or to the doctor's office. And on the way to the doctor's office, I passed out and went unconscious. So they ended up just taking me straight to the ER instead. And I ended up being in the hospital for several days with pneumonia and a blood infection that they couldn't figure out where it came from. Needless to say, while I was in the hospital, my sister, who happens to be a witch, went in and did a cleansing of the house. And when I got out of the hospital, we moved shortly thereafter. Wow. So that's <laughs> the first story I've ever heard to where uh, an entity made somebody sick like that. I mean, you hear a lot of like depression stories, like with, you know, the Lutzes and stuff in the old Amityville story mm-hmm. about how, you know, he would just be cold all the time and kind of his... His uh, mindset would change and all that. But as far as like a physical illness like that, that may be the first time I've heard that. It was the first time I had ever heard it, too. And I hate to say, oh, if I'm on an entity, you know, or whatever that thing was. But I can't I don't have any other explanation of what caused me to be so sick within a matter of just a few hours of me going to sleep. Now, did anybody else in the in the household have any kind of issues or was it just you and your son? Um, the younger girls didn't like playing in my son's room. Um, so they would always end up playing in her room instead. But she would just say that, um, it was because, you know, my son had told her that there was something evil in there. Whether or not she ever saw it or experienced it, I, I don't know. Did you have any kind of communication with some of the people in the house after you guys moved out? Were you still friends with some of those people to yes. find out? Yes, I was. And in fact, the couple with the younger daughter ended up moving out just a couple months after I did because they said that things became very negative and hostile and that everybody was constantly fighting and at each other's throats and that they couldn't agree upon anything. And so I don't know if that had anything to do with it either. But when my sister went in and did her cleansing or whatever it was when I was in the hospital, she said that it was very negative and she doesn't even know she was able to get rid of all of it. Hmm. Well, and that's true, too. The fact that she went in there and did some stuff might have actually taken care of a big bunch of it. So, you right. know, who knows, had she not done that, what would have happened in, in you know, the near future? Absolutely. Exactly. Well, but, yeah, it was very terrifying, but kind of an uh, incredible story at the same time, you know, to be able to, to tell and but at the same time, you know, I don't like telling it very often because not a lot of people are into the paranormal and will look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> well, you're you're in uh, safe grounds here. <laughs> Absolutely. I love listening to your show. Uh, well, thank you. Rachel, we appreciate you coming on and sharing, sharing the story because it's like you said, it's it, you have to be in a comfort zone to be able to do that because – the people are a little skeptical sometimes out there, so it is tough to just open yourself up to that criticism. Right. Yes. I appreciate you being or letting me tell the story. No, we're excited about it. So uh, I know you had written that story in, and we read the story, but I, I wanted the opportunity to actually have you tell it in your own words. So some of you out there might listen and say, that kind of sounds familiar, because it was only what, within like a couple months ago when we uh, read it, but... Uh, mm-hmm. 
so it, it might sound familiar to you and you're not losing your mind we actually we read the story but this was actually rachel telling it in her own words so i wanted her to have that opportunity thank you i appreciate it you're welcome and thank you rachel and we'll be talking to you soon all right sounds good you have a good night you too all right bye-bye all right so obviously we've, we've discussed rachel's story on uh, the patreon episode uh-huh. as, as was alluded and much much to say that we you know the same as what we said on there you know this is the first time i've heard of an instance to where an encounter with an entity like that actually made somebody so sick they had to go to the hospital and, and then she was like really sick yeah to stay in there for you know weeks man that's some scary crap right there yeah. i mean i think like i've talked about my mom before i think my mom got really sick over a period of time and yeah. it had to do with negative energies and stuff mm-hmm. like that but not like in yeah. this sense where this was just like an instant type thing so oh, crazy man. i'm glad they got the heck out of there yeah yeah they needed to get out of there oh definitely like. yeah i wonder though why she switched rooms right Yes. Yeah, uh, why that it didn't make the little boy sick? I don't know. I'm maybe it was beca- maybe it was because she was stronger and, and yeah. doubted it a little more, mm. where the little boy was already scared. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm glad he didn't get sick, and I'm sorry that she did. But so. man. All right, well, thank you, Rachel, for coming on. And telling oh us yeah, show. Well, that was great. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, we love you, honey.